Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Jacob Media Sports Network. This is Last Take. I'm Derek Dunn. It's brought to you by IBEW Local 98. And before we get into what the Eagles have just done in round number two, big shout out to everybody out there who consumed day one and day two of our draft coverage. Hey, don't forget to subscribe to the Jacob Media channel and lock into over 45 hours of draft coverage. Now, of course, the Eagles with that first round, they go out and get a, a, a wide receiver, which they desperately needed to add to that arsenal on, on offense, especially a much younger offense. Now, coming into round two, everybody was hoping they would take Asante Samuel Jr. to start shoring up a porous defense at this particular time. But Howie Roseman, being Howie Roseman, shocked us all, and he decides to take Landon Dickerson, a center from Alabama, and obviously he will be the heir apparent to Jason Kelsey once Jason Kelsey decides to call it a career. On the positive side, for years, we have chastised Howie Roseman and this Eagles organization for not looking more seriously at players from the premier conference in college football, the SEC. Well, in this particular draft, with a new direction, new head coach, new coaching staff, new mindset, now with their first two picks, they not only take two players from the SEC, but they take two players from the University of Alabama, one of the premier, if not the premier college football factory in all of America. Once the Eagles made this pick, I began to scan some social media comments. And as a lot of you fans out there might expect, the comments were mixed reviews. One person said, hey, look, no defense this year. One person says, great pick. Another guy says, that just killed the buzz from last night. Uh, another guy says, great pick, Gunner. Guy says, K Kelsey's replacement. That sucks. <laughs> One guy jumps in and says, Howie is back by making this pick, and so on and so forth. But so, so far up to this point, the feedback on the Eagles' second-round pick uh, has been on the negative side, and I understand there's a lot of disappointment. We know the Eagles are in, Eagles are in dire straits when it comes to shoring up their secondary, uh, and a lot of people thought they would – take a cornerback but when you take this into consideration five cornerbacks went off the board in the first round and another cornerback goes off the board in the top of the second round so six cornerbacks go off the board before it even gets to the Eagles pick at number 37 so obviously cornerback was not in the Eagles immediate future right now uh, I'm going to be joined by my former colleague Barrett Brooks but later on a little bit later on but right now I've got the man the myth the legend joining me from ESPN.com, Tim McManus. Tim, how you doing, man? Degun, I'm doing all right. Uh, you know, reactions flying all over the place with this latest pick, man. All right. Did this one catch you off guard? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, the the pressing need that was just kind of sitting right there was was cornerback for yep. this team. And and I know that the Eagles went in liking kind of the, the cluster of guys that were near the top. But then there were some guys available with uh, medical concerns that they were digging into, uh, especially at the last minute because they were made available in the second round. And I know they were doing their homework. And, and that includes on Landon Dickerson, this, in, this interior lineman from Alabama, who has a great reputation of being a really strong leader and a great player, but he also has an extensive medical history. I mean, he's, he's got two ACL tears. Yeah. He's got ankle problems. Uh, so the big question there is, you know, is it worth taking that risk when there was other quality options available? I'm thinking edge rusher, another linebacker to, to go with Eric Wilson, obviously somebody to play opposite of Darius Slay, but oh no, not in this case. Now we know Jason Kelsey is going to eventually retire. 
He's talked about bowing out of the game for the last three off seasons. And you and I have covered this game a long time. And we both know that when players start talking about retiring and thinking about retiring, they're getting closer and closer to it. I wonder if this guy could possibly step in. He's a much bigger version of a Jason Kelsey. You know, we've always, we've always uh, viewed Jason Kelsey as an undersized center. Through the years, we've watched Jason Kelsey get manhandled in the trenches in a lot of cases, although he's bounced back the last couple of years and played some phenomenal football. This guy goes 6'6", 308. But then again, like you said, major concerns about his injury history. Do you think he could possibly push for playing time this year or basically – is he Jason Kelsey's student in 2021? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he'll be pushing for playing time. It's just a matter of, you know, where, you know, there's been the the rumblings about Brandon Brooks possibly being on the trade block. I mean, we'll, we'll see if that ever comes to fruition. Uh, but clearly, to your point with Kelsey, the rumblings have been there, and too, he admits it too, for, for the last three seasons where he goes into the offseason and, and he contemplates and kind of weighs the pros and the cons. And football to this point and the love for it is just – pulled him back but it feels like it is coming to the end and and certainly they're going to want somebody that can fill those sizable shoes that Kelsey has had and and maybe maybe Dickerson is the guy um but man there's just some names like the Eagles are overcompensating now with uh, going to the Alabama well man they they neglected the <laughs> the school for so long and here they go back to back but the guy that goes right after right after him is uh, Christian Barmore the, the yep. defensive tackle who I thought would have been a really nice selection for him so I mean it could work out but it's it's got some risk involved here Gunner well when you talk about players coming out of the SEC you know for the most part you're getting premier players especially players from Alabama why do you think the Eagles mindset finally changed when they neglected that conference for so long, people were screaming about them not even looking at a lot of players in that particular conference. Then all of a sudden they do an about face and not one, but two players in the early stages of this year's uh, NFL draft. Yeah, it was a harder year to do evals. So I bet you that's a part of it. It's like so many guys, uh, you know, didn't play. Some guys didn't have the season. Uh, you're not able to go through the the typical combine uh, and get your hands on guys like you normally can. So you have to rely on their past production. And I guess the best way to do that is measure it up against the the best players in the country. And so, you know, when you when you see Devonte Smith even though people have questions about his size, like his production came against the very best uh, cornerback prospects out there. I mean, it came against the the best, uh, you know, competition that you could possibly have. And so I, I would imagine that would help make them feel better about the pick in this unique environment. And the same can probably be said here. Uh, you know, you, you pull from a conference, you pull from a program um, that you have trust in that they've seen the best, at least at that level. We We've, read a couple of stories this offseason about the inner working mechanisms of this Eagles organization and about how there seemed to be such a division when it comes to the coaching staff, to the scouting staff, so on and so forth, and that Howie Roseman has created a division. Jeffrey Rose, uh, Jeffrey Lurie has created a division within the structure of this organization. Now, as they move forward, new mindset, new coaching staff, it appears to be a new direction, obviously, because this team is getting a lot younger uh, in a hurry. How much input do you think a Nick Sirianni had in this particular draft compared to Jeffrey Lurie having a draft and Howie Roseman uh, having input in this draft? 
I think they're listening to Seriani, and I think they're listening to the type of offense that he wants to have and the type of players uh, that would fit well into it. And, you know, Smith being a, a great example of that. I mean, my understanding is that Sirianni is going to be running more of a West Coast style mm-hmm. offense. So it's kind of, you know, ball out. You want the receiver to be where where he's supposed to be so the quarterback can release it quickly. And, you know, Smith runs routes yep. as good as anybody, you know, coming out of coming out of college this year. And so there is some influence there. I mean, it's not like he has this extensive history with college players where he's going to be, you know, making these, you know, big decisions on the players, but they're going to be listening to the type of players that he wants. And I, and I think that maybe it's just for this year, but I do feel like the Eagles have gone back to more of a collaborative approach. I mean, they certainly have heard all the criticism. There's no question that they got away from that, especially with the first two picks last year mm-hmm. where they kind of neglected what the scouts had said and the work that they had done over the course of a full year and went rogue a little bit, um, you know, and uh, and I don't think that sat well with a lot of people. And when you talk about the reasons for the divisiveness in the building, for kind of these feelings that have cropped up and the stories that you're hearing about, you know, um, you know, all this palace intrigue. I mean, I, th- I think that's a part of it when when you have people in personnel coaches who don't feel like their voices are being heard. And I think the Eagles are responding to that. I mean, history says that they might not necessarily, that might not last, but at least for this draft, I I feel like that's the way it's trending. Tim, I think also when you look at this overall roster, it's devoid of talent at a lot of positions. And, you know, when you have two of the first 37 picks in the NFL draft, you need to get as many players as possible, especially in a youth movement, that could possibly step in and play right now. That That's why it kind of baffles me that they would take a guy who's going to be a backup right now at this particular time. No, I, I mean, I think that's fair. And especially when you had – they were going after Sertan. It felt that way to me. Like Horner yep. and Sertan were you know, two guys that they were interested in. You know, some people, I think, in the building would have been happy with Sertan at six. I mean, so you know that the you know there's a thirst for that position, there's a need for that position, and there was some quality players. I mean, you know, Asante Samuel's boy sitting right there, Gunner. Um, you know, and he would have probably stepped in. You can figure out whether he would be your nickel or whether he would play on the outside. You know, he feels like he's outside, and his size maybe doesn't say that, but you know, but you know the kind of dog that you're getting of a player. You know, somebody that is going to be a playmaker for you, somebody that that definitely has that grit and determination um, and the ability. And you know, he was one of of the options that would have probably just plugged right in and, and played opposite of Darius Slay. And, and here there's questions. I mean, Landon Dickerson, where's his spot right right now? Sayamalo's at left guard. Jason Kelsey's at center. Brandon Brooks is at right guard. Where, where does he fit? Well, you know, four-fifths of that, of that offensive line, we know Lane Johnson is coming off an injury. Brandon Brooks coming off an injury. If they come back healthy, you know, especially in an offense that's going to be run by a young untested basically quarterback surrounded by a bunch of young virtually untested uh, pass catchers except the Greg Ward um, and a young running backfield except Jordan Howard as a backup but Miles Sanders is your thoroughbred uh, in the backfield your offensive line could be the stabilizing force uh, and obviously the Eagles need some depth along the offensive line you know you look at the guys they had last year they were okay but when you have an offensive line that had 14 different combinations in a 16-week season a 17-week season, so to speak. Um, obviously, it's an area that you need to address. But, you know, again, if, if the offensive line, those four guys come back, and, of course, the left tackle position is still 
Still a huge question mark. But if four of those guys come back healthy, the offensive line is in a pretty good shape. So, you know, um, for for the Eagles to take a guy who we project is n- probably not going to get on the field unless Jason Kelsey gets injured, uh, it just it just baffles me. And, and uh, before you came on, I was reading some tweets, people already up in arms about this pick. And one guy said, Howie Roseman is back. Another guy said, you know, just kill my buzz from last night. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I know, man, this is Philadelphia, man. These people are hot one minute and cold the next. Oh, the honeymoon's over already? I was, I was enjoying over, that, that harmonious uh, 24 hours there, D-Gun. Oh, my goodness. All right, let, let's go back to the first round now. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the Eagles, they drop from 6 to 12. Howie Roseman being Howie finds a way to move back up into the 10th spot, especially after the uh, two cornerbacks went off the board. He gets Devonta Smith from Alabama. Um, a lot of people are elated by this move. Your thoughts on the Eagles finally getting a wide receiver. Now, we assume he is automatically going to be the number one receiver because when you take into consideration what this team had at wide receiver, there is no clear-cut number one. Yeah, I mean, I think it was really good work by Roseman. Credit where it's due. He's been getting hammered all offseason, rightfully so in a lot of respects. But here he was able to maneuver pretty deftly in the draft. I mean, when he originally moved out from 6 to 12, he was getting crushed because people are thinking, well, Kyle Pitts and Jamar Chase, and you're giving up the opportunity to draft those guys. But he properly read that. Those guys ended up going before that sixth pick. And so they would have been sitting there with, you know, it's now it's Waddle or it's Sertan or yeah. it's Sewell. Uh, and instead he was able to get a first round pick and still come away with a guy who I think has a chance to be, you know, maybe the best prospect out of this entire class. And when I was watching the receivers before I heard all the hubbub about, you know, his weight and I was just watching the players, I was like, oh, it's Smith. Like Smith is the best. Like Chase has the, you know, he's he's got the build. But he doesn't move and he doesn't he doesn't make plays quite as as uh, incredibly as Smith, in my opinion. I mean, when I was just watching it purely from from a film standpoint and before all that pre-draft banter started coming in, to me, it was pretty clear that Smith was the dude. Uh, So because of, you know, the knock on him for one hundred and sixty six pounds and that is light. I'm not I'm not trying to say it's it's not or that it's there's not risk involved with taking a guy at that size. But I think the upside is incredible. With him, I, I think that there's a chance that he has he can make an impact immediately, climb right to that number one wide receiver spot, and be one of the best receivers in the league. I think he's that good. You know, I agree with you. Um, I, I'm all in on the pick that they made because obviously, when you look up, up and down this division, uh, this division now is loaded with pass catchers. Um, you know, the, the 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 Washington football team they go out and get Curtis Samuel to go to Terry with Terry McLaurin. We all know what Terry McLaurin has done uh, to the Eagles. Uh, the, the Giants go out and get Kenny Galladay to go along with Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, so on and so forth. We know what the Cowboys have down there in, all, uh, in Dallas with their pass catchers. Does the, does the slight of build worry you in any way? Because people I talked to earlier today said, when you look at this kid, you know, you don't think skinny. You know, it's like he's a solid build kid, built kid. And when you look at his highlight film, the kid's not afraid to go over the middle. I mean, he's taking some shots and bounced up, bounced right back up down in Alabama. 
Well, he's wiry is the term that uh, Nick Seriani used for him. Hard to get your hands on at the line of scrimmage. You know, the question that I uh, posed to Seriani yesterday was, you know, how does he do against press man? Is that, you know, is that a concern at the next level? How are you going to help him out? And yep. he just used the fact that he's, you know, he's got a jab move at the line of scrimmage. He's got power. He's got length. Uh, and he's got he's got elusiveness that allows him to to get out off a of press man and into space. Yeah. And then, you know, a long strider, they called him. And you can kind of see that like he goes from zero to 60. And once he's going, he's gone. Um, you know, the, the concern is it would be more of a concern if he's getting squared up. I mean, if he's taking some some shots against, you know, 250 pound linebackers, <laughs> it's not going to work out too well. But at least to this point, uh, he's figured out a way. Um, you know, to, to make people miss. And, uh, you know, he's not going to be like the, the constant nine route runner like Deshaun Jackson, but, but Jackson found a way uh, for the most part earlier in his career to make sure that he wasn't getting the, you know, the, the full brunt of hits, but he was able to, to elude it with uh, the rest of his athletic ability. And obviously that's what Smith needs to do in order to survive. You know, as you, you, go, you do your homework on Smith, you know, the one thing that keeps coming back to me is, is he fast? Or is he quick? Because I've read where he's been clocked at like four four nine, which is almost a four five in a forty yard dash. Or does he just have that quick twitch elusiveness to get that separation? Because to me, it now feels like the Eagles keep spinning their wheels at the position. As as on board as I am with this pick, let's look at what they did last year. They go out in the first round and get a Jalen Rager. He's supposed to be fast. As we've watched, he wasn't able to get separation. They spent a few more picks on a John Hightower, Quez Watkins, you know, and none of those guys really were able to shine, although we saw some of Quez Watkins' speed briefly uh, when he was able to play finally. So it, it, it feels like the Eagles are spinning their wheels in terms of what exactly they're looking for at the wide receiving position. And, and as I said to you a few moments ago, it appears right now that, you know, um, Devonta Smith is going to be your number one receiver. To me right now, it appears he might be a little bit better than a Jalen Rager type receiver. I think he comes in a little bit more polished. That was one of the, the things about Rager, why people were confused that he was taking over Jefferson is while he does have that ability and that explosiveness, he didn't have kind of the, the route running uh, proficiency that somebody like Jefferson did. And, and I think that's one of the areas where Smith really shines. I mean, that's one of the reasons why he can separate is because he's an excellent route runner. He can, do, he can run the whole tree. And then the other thing you hear about him is he has sudden feet. Yeah. Uh, I was listening to to the radio today and somebody described it as Muhammad Ali feet. Um, and I think that you can, you know, I don't know if I would go that far or not, but you can right. certainly see that uh, that is an advantage of his as he's trying to get off the line of scrimmage that he's got those, you know, that, that kind of burst uh, that sudden burst that, that can give, you know, just have him uh, take off and gain a little separation from yeah. a defensive back, even if he's right in his grill. All right. Speaking of those Muhammad Ali nimble type feet, here we um, go. NBC <laughs> Sports colleague and my friend Barrett Brooks is just hopped on board. And Barrett, let's just start with what the Eagles did in round number two. You being a former offensive lineman, um, Tim and I agree. Uh, Eagles caught us off guard, as Howie Roseman is accustomed to doing. They caught us off guard. They go and get themselves a future center to eventually take over for Jason Kelsey. Uh, it's a big kid. Uh, Kelsey has never been known for his size. This is a big kid. First of all. Just by your facial expression, you were as surprised as we were with the Eagles selecting Landon Dickerson. Um, but now that you've adjusted, 
What do you think about it? It caught me off guard. Um, I, I don't think this makes really a lot of sense at this point. Uh, no, I'm not gonna say it's not. It doesn't make sense. We understand right. that that Kelsey's long on the tooth. You know, all you know for the past three years, he's been held together towards the middle to end of the year with 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 duct tape and bubble gum. You know, we know that he's you know he's the Walking Dead. You know, halfway through the season, um, I didn't think he was gonna come back that that hyperextended knee bone on the snapping garment. And what does he do? He comes back and he plays. He's a trooper. But I already thought that they had their heir apparent. Um, mm-hmm. in the locker room already with Sayamalo just making that transition from left guard over okay. to over to center. Well, everything they think differently. But even still, uh, we're talking about getting and Landon Dickerson, who's had, you know, he he, he hasn't been healthy. He's right. been on, you know, he they don't call it IR in college, but he has season-ending um, injuries, you know, for three years. This, I mean, even after this year, he, he you know, he busted up his knee. So this guy won't – he hasn't been healthy for an entire season. So why why go to a player like that when he wasn't even the best center on the board? In fact, the best center on the board is still on the board. Creed Humphreys out of Alabama is the most explosive uh, center in this draft, a leader. Um, I think it's more so um, it, it's more so he's comfortable because he's an Alabama guy, and you know the offensive line coach is an Alabama guy. You know, it's kind of like what he did when he brought that guard in, um, you know, a couple of years ago. You know that that didn't end up doing anything. Mm-hmm. You know, from Alabama, he's a first round. It started with the t- Titans. I forget what was his name again. Um, oh my God, Chance Womack. It was Chance Womack. They brought him in because he was comfortable with him. He coached him, and he was a bust. You know, he never did anything. Well, I think this is kind of the same situation that Coach Stoutland has done. He drafted a guy from Alabama because the Alabama roots. I think that had a lot to do with why they why they why they drafted him. But at the end of the day, you know, Creed Humphreys from Oklahoma is a much better player, a much better center, just as big as he is. He's explosive. He can block at every level. I think he'd have been more of a fit if they were going to reach and go get a guy, um, you know, in, in the you know, the second um, in, in, in the second round. When you get a guy in the second round, you get a guy in the first, second or third round. The expectation of these guys are supposed to come in and at least contribute. They're supposed to yeah. play, do yeah. something, whether it's special teams, yep. they break the starting position, whatever. They're supposed to play. Here it is, another position where this kid won't play. As long as, um, you know, Kelsey's available, he's not going to play. So that means that's another guy, another ways to pick that's not going to be able to go out there and perform when he's supposed to perform. That's just, you know, the, how the NFL, the nature of the NFL is. Also, I look at this situation that, you know, we are so deprived on the defensive side of the ball. Yes. Why aren't we going to get a corner? We need somebody opposite of Slay. Why do we, you know, I, so I, I, I'm going to have to get my, you know, I'm going to have to get my, you know, my tums and everything else on third <laughs> down this year because I can't afford, you know what I'm saying, to, to turn around and look at it. I'm in, I hold my breath every time it's third down because we have to look at it. Look at the lineups that we're going to have to play against in this division. Um, Dallas has three great receivers the Giants now have three great receivers and you look down at the Washington football team they have two great receivers who's covering these receivers big play slate can only get one guy at a time there's two other people who run around scot-free so I'm 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 a little perturbed right now that we're not going out and get especially the quality of talent that is out there at the um at the cornerback position right now I mean Asante Samuel yes he's a little small but you know he has the same instincts as his pops. You know I see him going and he's you know he's ready to play right now. There's a lot of people out there. I mean other teams are going to get them. You know now both you know both corners from Georgia are, are off the board. You know Newsom's off the board from from Northwestern. 
come on now. We got to get some cornerback help here. I mean, and, and we lost the third round pick. We got one third round pick left. Unless they trade up early, the the you know the quality of guys is going to get so thin that you know they got to make the right pick. And at this point, I don't think they picked the right guy. You know, they they veered off that 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 board we were talking about. You know, the, the draft board. I think they veered off of it and went with a with a with a heart uh, pulling pick instead of getting a guy that can come in and play. I'll ask you like I asked Tim, and then I'll bring Tim back in. Um, let's go back to the first round for just a moment. Your thoughts on them drafting Devonta Smith? Um, I think he's an elite talent, but this number one, the size worries me. Number two, when I did my homework on him and, and looked at his 40 times, and obviously you can't measure a player just by 40 time. His 40 time was not that wow factor you, you thought it would be. But this man, young man, 166 pounds, had 117 catches in the toughest football conference in college football last year. He had over 1,800 yards. Uh, he had 24 touchdown catches. He had 37 touchdown catches over the last two years. He had been overshadowed the previous year by like Jerry Judy and, and, and Henry Ruggs, and yet he still had over 1,200 yards in 2019 and 68 catches. Uh, obviously, he's a playmaker. But as I told Tim, I said, it, it to me it feels like the Eagles are spinning their wheels in terms of trying to find out what they what, what is and what isn't a premier wide receiver for them. You know what? I, I think they hit the mark this time. And he's not going to be a splash player to make great plays. What he's going to bring to this offense is consistency. Now, what if we had consistency at the wide receiver position? Number one, he can catch the heck out of that ball. And that's something we haven't had in so long. He's a consistent catch um, uh, guy that's going to catch the ball. That's the biggest thing. Number two, he's an elite-level route runner. His routes give him the separation. His routes are what make him a, a, a great talent. And then number two, He's not afraid to go out there and catch it with a 42, I mean, with a 41 inch vertical. He still goes in the red zone. He doesn't disappear. Usually when you have these guys that are sliding size, they get to the red zone, yeah. they disappear because the, you know, the, it, it gets shrunken. Now you got guys that'll hit you. Well, he'll go up and get it. He'll catch it. I mean, he'll run great routes. Those are all that you want. Sarkeesian used him um, after, after, you know, Waddle was injured to become the number one guy. And they, everybody knew the ball was coming to him, yet still he was able to go out there and produce every single weekend. So, yes, I'm, I mean, he's been small his whole life. He doesn't know any different. He doesn't know that he's too small and he can't play. Let him keep thinking that. But I truly believe he's going to be a guy to keep the sticks moving. And that's what we lacked last year, the year before that, and the year before that, and the year before that. A consistent receiver to go out and catch a consistent receiver that the quarterback can look to to move the chains that's what we need Alshon wasn't there the sticks didn't keep moving this kid he'll keep the chains moving because he runs great routes gets open creates separation and he'll catch it at the end of the day Tim I know you're waiting for Howie Roseman and uh, Nick Sirianni and those guys to step to the podium uh, you and I have been covering Howie Roseman and his organization for a long time what do you expect Howie to say to justify this move by taking Landon Dickerson? We'll probably go to the well of, you know, this is our philosophy. We believe in building from the inside <laughs> out, you know. Well, that, I mean, we're, we're gonna, what are you doing up here, Howie? What are you doing up there? Why is Tim, Tim McNatt's name on you, Howie? Yeah, <laughs> You sounded but, just like him, man. Yeah, just but like you're, you're going to see, I mean, there's obviously going to be criticism like Kelvin Joseph, the cornerback uh, out of Kentucky, just went yeah. to the Cowboys. You know, I mean, oh, they were the ones oh, jockeying. Geez. So there, there's going to be that. Here's here's what I do like is 
that I think we're going to get a fair evaluation of Jalen Hurts this year. I mean, because they, yeah. they're addressing the offensive front, and let's yeah. see if they, you know, how that works out. But they have Devontae Smith at wide receiver, and he's going to be paired with Jalen Rager and Dallas Goddard and, and, and Miles Sanders. And I think that, you know, they're going to get a good idea of what this quarterback can or cannot be. And I don't think that at the end of the 17 games, you're going to say, well, it was just a really tough break for him. Like, no, you, you have enough to win with. Um, even coming off a four-win season, you got some nice pieces around you, and I think uh, that will at least give them some clarity at the end of the year whether they have the guy or not. Tim, you right. yeah, you mentioned uh, Dallas Goddard, but you didn't mention Zach Ertz. Do you think <laughs> Zach Ertz will be a part of this offensive equation in 2021? He's still on the team as of right now. Yeah, I keep hitting, hitting refresh to see if that is is uh, changing, Gunner. Um, you know. Uh, uh, this has been the longest, like you know, you know, divorce proceeding in in history. I mean, it's the writing has been on the wall for like a year now. Yeah. Um, you know, ever since the the Eagles never really came to the table properly uh, in those extension talks. I mean, that was it, and now it's just been dragging on and on. And it's not for a lack of suitors. Like the the Eagles were presented four different teams, uh, like two months ago uh, of, you know, that were brought to the, to the negotiating table for Roseman to get something done. And, and Roseman didn't like what he was hearing. He, he, he yeah. didn't recognize or wasn't willing to accept what the market value for Zach Ertz was, which I think was probably around like a fifth round pick. Yep. Take um, it. I mean, yeah. Take it. You know, take yeah, it, man. Too. You know, come on now. I mean, he, he thinks that he's a three ninety nine divorce lawyer. You can't be that three ninety nine divorce lawyer. You got to go out there and get hire a five thousand dollar divorce lawyer to get this done. Come on now, <laughs> that's bound to happen. I mean, I you, you can't drag it on for too much longer. I you know I think you have to do right by the player at some point. Um, and you know you don't want to just give him up. But if he's not in your plans, then then let the guy uh, go on with his life for crying out loud. Yeah. Well, guys, the uh, third round is rapidly approaching. Mr. Brooks, I will ask you first, what should the Eagles address in round number three? Does it really matter what I think? Because, I mean, this second round just just messed me up, man. But they they should go out and get a corner. Um, They have to go out and get a corner. They got to get somebody that can cover. You know, like I said, I want to stop eating Tums and, you know, saying stop not breathing on third down. Give me somebody, you know, that can go out there and cover at least the number two receiver, you know, I need somebody out there. Tim? Yeah, I agree. I mean, they have to do something with uh, that defensive backfield. And um, uh, it looked like they, in the first two rounds, both there would be opportunities for them, and certainly in this round that they passed up on. So go get that DB. (laughs) All right. He is Tim McManus from ESPN.com, Barrett Brooks from NBC Sports Philadelphia. Guys, I thank you for joining me, and uh, we'll get together again in a short while and talk about who the Eagles are going to surprise us with in round number three. Oh, do we have? No, I'm just playing. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a kicker. <laughs> All right, guys, thanks for hopping on with